When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about what we've learned over the last year and things that might stick around moving forward, things we've learned from the pandemic, as well as things we're looking forward to getting back to. And we're going to get into talking about coordinating the passing game. And joining me to discuss those things, the co-offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach at Washington State University, Craig Stutzman. Craig, always great to talk ball with you and great to have you back here on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Keith, man. Always great to be on. Well, Craig, it's been an interesting year, and you you and I certainly have uh, crossed paths and talked some over this, this last uh, 12 months or so from you know the different clinics that you've been involved in to uh, just texting some things back and forth and, and uh, phone calls here and there. But uh, this year certainly has presented challenges. It's, it's presented some opportunities to do new things, and the thing that's been of interest to me most as we look back on the last 12 months are, are you know, what are some of the things that coaches have learned and uh, maybe can continue now moving forward? So for you, what things come to mind with that? You know, the things that, you, you know, you had the opportunity. Really, we all hit pause for a long time. We didn't know what was going on. We researched new things. We were forced into new things. But I think we also discovered that there's different ways of doing things so for you what what were some of those yeah um the first thing was the ability to communicate in a different way with your players and with recruits and high school coaches and coaches on staff i mean it's as simple as before this past 12 months or 13 months whatever it's been uh you know i was always a little uncomfortable with facetiming with <laughs> recruits or you know just a little foreign to me and you know with uh how things have been structured and the way that we've got to get about doing things with zoom and and being on uh, on facetime a lot I, I felt a lot more comfortable with that and you know that was uh that was something that that you know i got better at and and now you know facetiming and zooming i mean that's that's awesome i i'd love to do it i love to do it every day whether it's with high school coaches whether it's with recruits or whether it's with players um our players another thing that i thought the, the most beneficial thing for us here at washington state was being able to be around our players a lot more uh, with being mandated to stay, you know, in your towns during COVID, during the pandemic and all that stuff early on. Um, you know, typically when you come in on a, as a new staff, right, you get in, uh, you get back on the road and you recruit and, and then you come back and you spend some time with your players and then, you know, you go back on the road and recruit again. And, and so being, you know, stuck in Pullman, so to speak, it, allowed us the opportunity to really work on the culture that coach Rolovich wanted to create and, and has been great at creating um, and being around our players during, you know, a really tough time. I think a lot of people think of it as, as it was tough mentally, right. And emotionally to go through this. And, and what I think a lot of people fail to realize, you know, that we're dealing with 17, 18 to 22, 23 year old young men. And, um, you know, although, Football is a passion, and going to school is, is a top priority. Uh, you know, the pandemic has, has really brought a lot of um, hardships, I think, mentally and emotionally to some of our players. So being able to be around them and comfort them and just, you know, let them know it's going to be all right and we're going to be here, here for them 
was uh, the first thing that, that Coach Rolla wanted to make sure that we did. So we were able to do that. And also we were able to talk a lot of football, um, being able to uh, tell them not just how we're going to do things, but why we're going to do things and build that trust and build that relationship and be around them a lot more time and giving them that actual face time. I think was uh, was really important to to Washington State and to what we were able to do. Um, I think also schematically, it gave us a lot of time to really push the envelope and see, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is who we are. But are there different things that we could do to get better? Um, you know, a lot of times when you're on the road and recruiting, a lot of those things kind of get pushed to the wayside, and, and you don't really you don't really get around to that. And you say, gosh, man, I wish we would have thought about this earlier and maybe be able to work through it in spring ball or in the summer. So uh, we got a chance to do some of that too. And then um, I just think overall getting a head start on watching a lot of film of potential student athletes, you know, uh, I, I just know this before we started spring ball this year, uh, myself and our QC Colby Castle was able to look at over 160 something, you know, 2023 20, quarterbacks and, and, you know, being ahead that way and being able to look and evaluate the film uh, for recruiting in the future, which is, you know, the bloodline of any program is recruiting. Uh, we, we were able to kind of take a step further and, and be ahead in that respect. And it's been really good so far. It, it, it's funny when, you know, I heard you talking about, you, you know, being comfortable being on FaceTime or Zoom or, you know, those things have, have been around actually for a, a while. FaceTime feels like forever. <laughs> you know, Zoom's been about right. for a number of years, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think we were comfortable in, you know, we had all those modes that we could get, you know, network that way, learn from each other that way. Um, we just weren't doing it. And when it became, that's the only way we had for a while, everybody got pretty good at it. Nobody has any issues now, you know, getting on a, a Zoom or, or talking to somebody that way face to face. And uh, it's just kind of crazy that it took us being forced into it, I guess, to get used to that form of communication. Absolutely. And, and as we all know, a lot of times, right, we got to be put in the uncomfortable spot to want it to change and, and be forced to change sometimes. And uh, the Zoom thing and FaceTimes and all those things, it, it's really made us a lot more efficient, you know, um, being able to communicate with our players and, and maybe, hey, we, I know right now, like I was talking to a couple of coaches in the NFL when they started first doing this. Um, and they said, you know what? Our players, they're professionals, but gosh, we, we limit this to like 40 minutes on Zoom. So, you know, early on, we're starting to Zoom and we're going over some installs, we're going over plays, we're watching film. And, you know, the first couple of times, it was like an hour and a half, right? <laughs> and so with the quarterback. So then I go ahead on the, the next Zoom call, it's kind of a recap, like what do they retain? And gosh, there was not much retention there. So as we all know, as being a great teacher is, is about not just teaching, but having having the people that you're teaching your students uh, being able to retain that knowledge. So uh, then I started going with about 30 to 40 minute burst of, of Zooms. And gosh, uh, you know, the retention numbers was up. Um, guys were a lot more engaged. Uh, you didn't see guys kind of like almost falling asleep on Zoom and stuff like that. So uh, it was it was funny, like, you know, just, just being efficient, streamlining these things. And, and if you are to make those Zoom installs, you know, 30, 40 minutes or whatever, even if it's just one concept, um, you better be prepared like anything else in life, right? You better be prepared just like you're going into a position meeting uh, if your players are coming into the room. So it taught us a lot, taught us to be uh, efficient and, and how to really cater to um, the, the learning process for, for, our, for our players uh, ultimately. So moving forward as, as things get back to quote unquote normal, uh, what, what things remain what things stick with you it might not be all of the uh you know the different forms that we've used but i guess maybe mm -hmm. some of the methods some of the strategies that had to go along with that yeah i think um you know some things like some of the recorded zooms or you know we have a vr um room where, where we have uh you know one of our uh, camera guys will be back there and he'll record it and and you know just forcing these guys to understand like hey there are vr you know film here for you even though it might be six months old it doesn't matter like get your reps in because you don't know 
I think what we learned in this offseason was we didn't have that much time to prepare for our first game, right? And there wasn't much time on the field. But guess what? Like, the rest of the Pac-12 didn't have that much time either. Like, we all were a lot at the same time. And so what can we do and how can we be creative in preparing our players to, to not only be physically but mentally ready to play the game? Um, and, and I think our players saw that side of it too is, hey, we got to be even better with uh, being diligent on watching film or what are we watching or how are we watching things? Um, and also the time that they have to spend, right? We all talk about what makes the difference between ordinary and extraordinary, that little extra. Like you got to go ahead and take your receivers out there and get the timing of these routes and learn, you know, the body language of your receivers when they're running certain routes and what do they like the football and, and quarterback wise, you know, with our drops and with our eyes and with our reads, you know, visualizing certain things happening and, and just getting those extra reps and pushing themselves to be great in that respect. Um, and then also not being afraid to, to call or text and go, Hey coach, can we get, can we get a separate Zoom time where we can watch film together? Hey, I don't really understand this. Um, and understanding, like, just because you leave the building, you know, the coaching from the player and coach's standpoint, just because you leave the facility, it doesn't matter coaching ends there. At any point in time, they can shoot a text message and be like, hey, coach, can we jump on Zoom real quick and go over, you know, street? Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? So, hey, it's, it's Sunday and we got practice on Monday. And, hey, coach, you know, is it, can we just go over this script one more time? Absolutely. You know, how can we get that done? Do you need an email to you? Do you need us to get on the Zoom and I can talk you through it? Can we draw some things up? So just using all those different avenues and, and understanding that communication is key to any success and, you know, being open and, and being creative with the communication and how, how you can reach your players uh, so they understand things fully. Were you guys able to find any efficiencies in, in the ways you, you know, again, we're forced to do some of these things um, as a staff, you know, not not you guys to your players, but, you know, you guys working with each other. Did you find any efficiencies in that? Yeah, um, you know, I will say this. We, we, as a staff, we've been together for a few years now, so I think that helps a lot, right? Understanding a, <laughs> what, what, is, what does 90 Switch look like and what should it look like and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think really where we were better at was being able to, uh, the evaluation in the recruitment process and how to get offers out and all those sort of things, I think happened a lot quicker for us uh, because we were able to at any point in time jump on Zoom or Rolla would shoot out a text message and say, you know, on a text thread, hey, check this guy out. And we were able to get back and take a look at it as a staff pretty quickly. So um, those were one thing. But, you know, uh, Gosh, it, it, when 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 you're blessed to be around the same type of guys and the same coaching staff, especially on offense, uh, as long as we have, I, I think you know it it wasn't as challenging maybe, and I don't think we're we're inefficient in many ways. So I think you know it was it wasn't that big of a challenge, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so looking at maybe things getting back to normal here, anything uh, you're you're ready to say, you know. We had to do it here, but I am glad to be moving back to the way we did it before. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, anytime that you're physically around your players and physically around the coach and staff and, and you're in the building and, you know, it's a different mindset, right? I think that was another challenge too, was doing work from home and having, uh, you know, a built-in office to your home. And, and jumping through hoops on, on gosh, I, I think this is here, this is there. When, when you come into your facility, you come into your office, like everything, you know where things are, right? And, and it's a lot easier. It's a lot more efficient. Um, so it's, it's definitely great to be back in the building. It's definitely great to be back around our players, um, be on the field with our players when we're allowed to, be in the weight room with our players when we're allowed to, and just, just continue creating that relationship and that trust. Flipping the switch here and getting into our, our other topic, coordinating the passing game. It's something, you know, you've you've done throughout your career. Uh, you know, whether you've been the coordinator, co-coordinator, passing game coordinator, um, you've been able to divide things up. And I think that's just, you know, again, whether titles go along with that or not, giving you know mm -hmm. certain coaches ownership in, in parts of uh, the offensive game plan, I think, is just a, an efficiency that you can find and. And really create some of that buy-in if, if people do have the ability to 
to do those things. And obviously, you want everybody to um, be able to contribute. But as you look at it, you know, as a um, as the guy in charge of the passing game, um, where is your starting point for how you want to break things down and start looking at opponent an opponent as you get ready for that next week? Right. And I think, you know, everybody has their system. Everybody has their way uh, for here, for us at Washington state. Um, you know, the first thing I like to do is, is we don't have very much formations. And so what that allows us to do is be able to really take out a lot of things that we're looking at from the opponent. We are able to focus in on, you know, certain formations, certain personnel groupings, um, and being able to find consistencies in coverage keys. I think that is, uh, you know, primarily, um, I, I think that that is really important to the quarterback. If we can, because I'll tell them this every time, right? So we go into a game and, and say we were just in an open set two by two, right? And we're playing against, you know, team B, okay? And team B is showing 10 separate coverages in the first three games of the season. We're playing them in the fourth game. Well, you know, it's pretty hard to play quarterback when you, when you got pos- 10 possible coverages and at the snap of the ball, you got to make a decision, right? Because run and shoots depending on uh, route adjustments versus defenses and defensive coverages and leverages and all those things. So if, if we can <laughs> limit, you know, that 10 uh, possible coverages down to two or three because we've done a great job of looking at a film and, and identifying certain keys, well, guess what? Our quarterback's going to be that much uh, better, and 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 his probability of succeeding on every play is going to be better if we can if we can cut it down to about two or three possible coverages pre-snap and post-snap. You know, things happen, and and our quarterback's able to decipher that. Um, he's going to be successful. He's gonna, he's going to know where to go with the football. He's going to make good decisions, and he's going to make accurate throws. Um, so the biggest thing right now, I mean, you know, that that we've had success with is going through our formation cutups um, and also down in distances too, right? And field zones and just figuring out, you know, what are the possible coverages? And the second thing is, you know, looking at, all right, okay, they may not have shown this, but in their philosophy or, or maybe, you know, they've kind of, maybe it's not a high probability. Maybe it's only one or two reps of a certain coverage, but gosh, that thing might give our offense, our pass game, a little bit of problems here. We got to also practice that. Okay. So, uh, the first and foremost thing that I'm looking at, yeah, is just trying to find tendencies, trying to find keys, uh, and trying to help the quarterback understand what coverage is he going to see. I'd uh, love to hear a little bit more about just your method in, in looking for those coverage keys because I agree with you. Having you know the last few years work with quarterbacks uh, every single week during their season, just on film, right, going through and, right. and letting them talk through their, their game plan, uh, what what their coaches have planned, and then looking at their opponents. One of the biggest things I was able to do with them was to say, uh, "All right, well, let's take a look at you know how these guys are aligned right here. What are their tip offs? Uh, what mm-hmm. things start to to make it easier for you? Clue you in on this is what they're going to do based on alignment, uh, a reaction to emotion, whatever it might be. What things right. do you look at? And again, I know it." It could vary a little bit um, from from coach to coach with what you're using, but for you, what are the important things? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with um, identifying right what player is in, or what defensive player is in what position. And it's funny because right there was this big story. It's a big story in the NFL where uh, I think Tom Brady is is not very fond of the idea that uh, guys are able to wear different jersey numbers right <laughs> i think that was a hot topic a few weeks ago and i understand that because you know if, if you're able to go ahead and and find out which players in what position whether it's a safety you know whether it's corners because if you're going corners over then obviously you know probability is going to be man to man or whatever it is uh but finding out where those guys are is that is that uh you know boundary stand up backer right that's like a russian guy out there is he is he into the back oh he's to the field okay well something's up here you know what i mean so i think first we 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 do a good job of identifying what players typically are where okay um and then understanding for quarterbacks on the receivers depth and leverage give us a lot of things you know defensive back coaches or defensive coordinators right it's all about leverages it's all about getting their guys in position to be successful. Well, that also 
you know, it gives us keys on what coverage could possibly come. Um, the other thing, too, is we talk a lot about with the quarterbacks, what are the fronts? The first thing that we go through when a quarterback comes in, in our meeting, we will go through what is an over front, what's an under front, what's three down, what's there, what's this, what's that, what's a three technique, what's a five, what's a four, right? Because they got to understand anything that's closest to the football is the most important thing, okay? Everything's built inside out like anything else. So with that said, if certain players in the secondary or maybe you see maybe safety rotation here or there, let's also identify the front. Where are the backers? Are the backers lined up where they're supposed to be in this, typically in this front? Are they bossed over this way? Are they bumped this way? Um, is it a 4-1 box? You know what I mean? Uh, because everything's going to be tied in to, to uh, the integrity of, of gap, uh, you know, being gap uh, uh, sound for a defensive front. And how are those backers and the secondary guys and safeties, how, are, how do they fit into that, that uh, you know, fit, so to speak, right? So um, we're looking at, at the game holistically. And I think if you just give your quarterbacks or receivers or whoever it is, your center, maybe just one or two tips and one or two guys that you're keen, gosh, man, and, and you're playing a really good defense coordinator or, or whatnot, you're going to have a hard time, right? we got to take a step back and look at this game holistically. And so as a quarterback, we're always looking at fronts, where's those backers at, where those safeties are and, and what type of technique those corners are playing, where they're leveraged on, on the wide out. So I think when you're able to kind of get those guys dialed into it and understand, say, Hey, number five, the nickel out there, he typically lined up there, you know, the, the free safety is number 10 and, and the boundary safety is number one. Well, guess what? If those three guys are in different positions, then, then, you know, off of film, what does that tell you? Right. Is that mean that there's pressure coming here? Does that mean it's more, you know, man-to-man type coverage? Is it going to be like a one high zone? Do they get to their Tampa twos or three double clouds? So I think, um, you know, it's, 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 it's all encompassing, but kind of just teaching them that piece by piece so they don't get overwhelmed is, is a big part for us. So as you start to break those things down and figure out, you know, what, what coverages you're going to be attacking and maybe what might right. be some of the problem coverages, uh, how do you go about then matching, you know, that menu of what you want to carry into that game plan uh, to be able to attack those things to, um, to maybe what you're going to leave out? Because you know, I, I know for me we had five past families, and mm-hmm. I might carry three or emphasize three, right. and, and the other two maybe have you know very minority my, minor use in our uh, in in our game plan, but. You know, again, making right. those decisions then based on some of that that initial uh, data you're getting from the defense. Uh, how do you go about that? Yeah, you know, the cool thing about the run and shoot is that essentially anything that you call can grow into a coverage beater, right? So um, we have very little uh, concepts, you know, in our offense where it's like, hey, if it's cover two, then – you know, you're dead to rights on this play because this concept isn't great versus it or it's not going to work versus it. Um, everything that we do has route adjustments that gives the quarterbacks answers and the receivers the ability to get open. So I think rather than taking plays out or not running certain plays, it's more of we got to rep these plays against these potential coverages a lot mm-hmm. and make sure our receivers are getting the proper depth or they're making the right break you know, or they're making the right read. And the quarterback, his eyes start off in the right position. He's reading the right person, the right defend, the defender. The ball's going to the, the, the spot that it should versus coverage in our concept. Um, so we don't really, how should I say, you know, take plays out in certain situations. Now, yes, there are. If, if we're, say, in the, on the 15-yard line, obviously we're not going to call concepts that, call for maybe 40 yards, you know, down the field definitely with that space. We're going to call some, some concepts that's going to fit that space. And, um, but I think the other thing too, where uh, a lot of coordinators are good and they, and guys are understanding this is where, and, and I've learned this from, from talking with a lot of other coaches and guys in the NFL or guys around college or high school, like, right. Defenses are getting a lot better at preventing big explosive plays. So we're seeing less explosive plays, uh, per play in a game. So what we have to do is we have to be better at understanding in certain situations, what's the likelihood that we're going to get maybe a certain coverage and how are we going to take our shot or are we going to take our shot 
at this point in time in this situation. Okay, so with that said, like if you're a team that's that's a team that's going to go forward on fourth down quite a bit, well, you know everybody knows probably in America, right? Second and two, hey, defense is they rather give a first down rather than giving up a big play over the top, right? So <laughs> maybe maybe third and two is when you take your shot if you know you got four downs. You know what I mean? Um, maybe it's not. Maybe the situation calls for you to get the first down. So there's and, and these analytic reports, right, gives you those probabilities too on when you should go forward on fourth down and all those sort of things. Um, but I think it's 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 pretty cool when you put together a game plan like you said, and that's why uh, we do have um, all of our coaches, offensive coaches on staff, has uh, certain types of zones or, or that you know on the call sheet that they're responsible for situations because there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many hours in a week to prepare. And everybody was hired because they are good at what they do, okay? And, and they're responsible for what they do. They're accountable and they're smart. They're smart coaches. So giving responsibility to those guys to be, say, in charge of really, you know, the responsibility is third in, you know, third downs or, or it's red zone, tight red zone, high red zone, whatever it is, uh, being able to go ahead and just – Attribute those responsibilities to those guys uh, calls for, I guess, more attention in that area, and they can better explain to us, hey, why we want to do it. Because football is all about why, right? It's mm-hmm. not about just how; it's about why. And I think once we understand the why, and the players understand the why, then then it becomes a lot more fun because now you're cooking with gas. You know why things are happening. You know why you're doing things, and and there's a high level of understanding. But um, I don't know if that answers your question. I know that was a little roundabout way of getting to it, but um, you know, I think I think that's that's kind of that's the juice right there. Yeah, definitely answers the question. Uh, kind of, I guess, an offshoot of that. Then you mentioned you know other people looking at things for you and bringing that together. And you know, I mean, if you look at the word coordinate, it means to bring together, right? So, right, doesn't mean that you have to be the guru of of everything. Certainly, you want to be the most knowledgeable, but. Uh, as, as far as you know, meeting with your coaches, your your guys who are assigned different areas, and, and bringing all that together, how does that come about for you? What has been the most effective way for you uh, to bring that together and to make those decisions? Yeah, so every day, right? Whether it's you, you're doing normal downs on a Sunday, or you're doing Monday, you're doing you know uh, third downs, and you know Wednesday or Tuesday you're doing red zone or whatever it may be. Uh, at the end, we typically have the first half of the day to kind of go over, you know, our film and, and what we're trying to get done. And, you know, once that's done, we go ahead and we meet all together and, you know, we'll go around the room and, and just basically give a little presentation on, on some of the things that we're thinking, some of the things that uh, we saw on film. And, you know, maybe there's a couple of new ideas because we don't ever want to be robots. We don't ever want to say there's only one way we do things here at Washington State and the running shoot. You know, there might be a, a new concept that we might like. Hey, guess what? You know, the team that played, you know, uh, on offense uh, against the opponent the week before, maybe they have a, a concept that's pretty cool. And maybe that fits. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? We got to find what fits our offense and what makes sense to our players and not just throwing something that like, oh, okay, hey, guess what? This team did something crazy versus the, the opponent. And gosh, man, we can make it work too. Well, if, if that's not what we do and it doesn't fit what we do, then how do we expect our players to understand it and execute it at a high level? So, um, you know, there's a fine line with that. But, yeah, we, we'll come together at the end and there might be a concept, whether it's a pass or run or a screen or anything like that or a new RPO that maybe we can go ahead and it might fit. And, you know, Rubble's great about giving us the flexibility to maybe have a little bit of fun with it and see if it'll work and, have maybe one or two plays in practice where he practices, and sometimes it looks awful, <laughs> right? It looks great on the whiteboard, but when you have your players do it, it's like, oh my gosh, what were we thinking? And there's, there's some times where like, ooh, hey, I think we've got something here. So um, there's a lot of experience in our in our offensive staff room from various e- universities previously and and different levels, and uh, you know it doesn't matter if it's high school ball or if it's if it's professional ball and everywhere in between, you know, pop one or whatever it is. Like football is football. And good football is good football, and good plays are good plays. It's just all about execution. Yeah, it, you mentioned having that idea that maybe you see, you know, will attack the other opponent. Other people have made it work, but 
you know, that fit within not just your own offense, but also your thought process as, as a guy who on game day is making those decisions and making those calls and making sure, okay, when, when it's a passing down, we're calling this play, you know, it, it took right. me really deep into my career to, um, to understand that some of those ideas that come up, even ones that are my own, I'm not going to feel comfortable calling them because it doesn't fit in, in a certain way, you know, and I, I can remember right. eventually getting to that point, like telling a coach, like, I, I love that idea and this looks great, but here's why I'm not going to put it into the game plan because here's, here's where, you know, there, there's a sticking point in my thought process or how I, I think we might, this might not fit with us. That's, I think when you could get to that point, when you understand those things, um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, just dumping on somebody's idea, but it's, it's really, I think getting that clarification for everybody, when you can understand that and communicate it to, to everyone, I think everybody starts to be able to get on the same page a little bit better and start, start to see things through that lens. Not that you want everybody thinking the same way, but at least you need some kind of, of filter for those things that, people aren't going down a road and wasting time. No, I agree 100%. I mean, you know, I think as long as everybody's on the same page, everybody understands, hey, there's a lot of great ideas out there. Um, it doesn't matter if it's triple option or if it's, you know, wing tee or run and shoot or whatever it may be. Um, you know, there's so many good football plays out there, um, but it's what we're comfortable with. And, and, and if coaches have creativity, it's, at least letting them voice like, okay, what do you, what do you like about this and why? And, and maybe sometimes it fits, maybe sometimes it doesn't, but like you said, when it's all said and done, you know, there's decisions that have to be made and tough decisions have to be made. And as long as, you know, everybody understands why and we get on the same page with it um, and move on, we're going to be great. And I, I will say this, you know, for us here at Washington state, a lot of times what um, I like to do with the quarterbacks and, and a role likes to do too, is that like, Hey, if, if this player, this quarterback, this starting quarterback is not comfortable with this concept and, and we'll do this Friday night. Okay. I'll go ahead and we'll get the game plan and we'll go through it with the quarterbacks and we'll take a look at it. And I say, Hey, take it, take it to bed tonight. So we go back and take it to bed. And I say, I want you to cross out the plays that you don't like. I want you to circle the plays that you like, and I want you to start the plays that you guys love. Okay. In every situation, just go ahead and get that done. And in the morning, we'll come back. We'll talk about it again. Okay, we'll talk about it again, and then we'll go to Rollo and Brian, and we'll say, hey, like, this kid doesn't feel comfortable with this. This guy doesn't feel comfortable. He loves this. He loves that. So at least there's an idea there of, you know, the guy that's pulling the trigger on the field, the players, you know, and, and we'll even ask receivers. We'll ask running backs. We'll ask whoever, linemen, whatever it is. Like, what do you guys love? What do you guys don't love? Because when it's all said and done, you know, the power of positivity and, like, the belief is probably one of the most powerful things out there. And if the guys believe in this play in critical moments, then guess what? The likelihood of it working is pretty dang high. And so players play the game. Coaches coach and help out. We gather information. We, we disseminate through some of that stuff and we give it to them. But players play the game. This is a players this is a player's game, man. So if those guys feel comfortable with things and they love it and they're confident, then guess what? Why not call those plays? Because they're the ones that's going to execute and make it work. I highly recommend that exercise with your, your quarterbacks. Uh, I've had several guys on on this podcast who talk about doing exactly that. I know a- Andrew Coverdale, who now is at St. Saint- Xavier here in Ohio, uh, an incredible high school football coach, has that meeting. He has his love it, like it list with his, with his quarterbacks and something right. I would do as well. And I found, uh, you know, we we would do it with all of our quarterbacks, not just the starter, um, early in seasons. And I just talked about this uh, with somebody. I honestly can't remember if it was on the podcast or uh, in in a separate conversation. But I found um, I, I would kind of watch quarterbacks, you know, the, especially the younger guys, as as the older guy was up there talking through what he liked and whatever, uh, and, and found those guys starting to mirror him. And so sometimes I'd have to do the meeting separately where I'd have, right. you know, the yep. one, number one guy go up there and be honest with me. And then the number two guy do it separately, you know, because it was I didn't want him to think, especially the number two, that this was some kind of, 
You know, I'm not testing you. I really want to know what you feel most comfortable yeah. with. And and I think the younger guys struggle with it a little bit more. The the starter's going to do it because that's, I mean, his his right. job's on the line. <laughs> but you need to know from right. those those backups too. They, I mean, they're a snap away, right? You need to know from them where are you most comfortable because if things change, that's where I want to be able to put you. Absolutely. Rolo made sure every, you know, every weekend. It, and it, it's funny because it, I know what he's going to say, and, but he always has to say it, right? And, and it's true. And, and it's find out not just what you started, but hey, what is so-and-so like? You know, what is, what is so-and-so? And we go down for the guys that's on, on the roster or the guys that's traveling. So the top three quarterbacks, like, what are they like? What are they not like? Because it's, it's, it's like going to a restaurant, right? If you're going to go to a restaurant and, and you got a chance to talk to the chef and you're like, Hey, what do you, what do you love to cook? And if that chef tells you what he loves to cook, then he's probably going to cook that thing really, really good. <laughs> he knows the ins and outs of it. You're not going to go to a chef and say, Hey, what do you like? And he says, or what do you don't like? And he tells you what he really don't like. And, and he, okay, make that. He's not going to put that, that effort into it, or he, he doesn't truly believe in that recipe or whatever it is. Um, there's no difference in, in playing quarterback and really playing football. So, uh, but yeah, being able, and I will say this, it's funny. We just had a meeting the other day and, you know, Jaden Delora was our starting quarterback last year. He was a freshman. And I remember telling him every week, like, Hey, what do you like? What do you don't like? Oh, coach, I like everything. No, 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 no. Okay. If you had to take out, I'm telling you, if you got to take out 10, which 10 you want to take out? None of them coach. I like all of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, yes, or that, that the meeting the other day that we had, uh, we did an exercise and then I said, Hey, so remember what we talked about, you know, before the games and this and that, I said, now, what would you take out? He goes, Oh coach, I probably would have taken out at least maybe 20 of those. <laughs> like, well then, you know, I think a lot of it has to be, like you said, you know, the younger guys, you know, being secure and understanding it's not a test. It's not to, to bash you. Um, it's, it's, Hey, what do you like? We're just trying to help you out. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Right. Um, but that's that's true, man. I and yeah, that's probably the best thing. That that's the best advice that I got from um, uh, Matt Lafleur. I got to know him years ago, and and I said, what what do you love? Like, what's the one thing that you will do before the game? He goes, I make sure that I tell those guys. If you don't like it, take it out. If you love it, make sure you tell me because we're gonna call the plays that you love. Absolutely, I know another. A great idea I picked up, and and I'll preface this by saying, for me, scripting uh, was a, a, a very detailed function for me. In that I mm-hmm. wanted to know how how many reps over the course of a week could could I get a particular play, and really pay right. pay attention to that. However, uh, a, a coach shared with me what he does uh, with his quarterbacks. You know, and it's not every period, but he'll do it. Um, I think this is a good one for spring ball. I think it's a good one for camp. And, and maybe you do it for, you know, a period or two during the week. But let them call the plays. Let let right. them, you know, this is what we're going to run right now. Put it in their hands. Go through and, and take notes. Have somebody write down, all right, th- these are the things he called. Because I would bet in there he's going to be in his confidence area, right? He's going to tell you through that, right. that period that these are the things I feel best about because I'm calling them. Or, you know, maybe you get that guy as you start to stretch him within those to, to think outside his, his framework a little bit and try to get more confident in some of those other things. But I thought that was a, um, you know, a, a, a good exercise, something that I think anybody can insert into, again, doesn't have to be, in season if you're not comfortable with that, but certainly camp or spring ball. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that we'll, we'll do that. Um, in our routes on air period, you know, where we have our coaches, uh, we're giving them a look on defense because everything's route or, or uh, coverage related, right? Everything's based off coverage. So we'll be on there playing defense. And, and you, it's funny you say that Rolo will, you know, once a week or something like that in routes on air, he'll just be like, Hey, you guys call it. Okay, so every route, you know, or whatever, every concept, every rep, you know, each quarterback will rotate calling a play, and all four quarterbacks will throw it to the four receivers. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a good exercise to see what they're comfortable with, and also to that's a moment right in practice where you can test their knowledge and say, well, this pairs up front side with this back side. 
hey, this doesn't pair up with it. And, and that clues us into, okay, we got to maybe spend more time with him understanding what pairs with what on certain concepts. Uh, the other thing, too, um, that it was the same meeting about taking out plays or, or keeping plays in, what do you like, what do you love, what do you not like, and all that stuff. Um, I'll tell those quarterbacks, you know, if you want a certain rep in like a concept or RPO or whatever it is, whether it's seven on sevens or if it's a team period or scout period, whatever it is, just text me, just text me, tell me, Hey coach, can I work this concept? Text me. I'll go ahead five, 10 minutes before practice starts and I'll change your rep to what I have in there. And I'll put that in there because it's, it's what those guys want to get practice at. They play the game. It comes back down to who the players play the game. So yeah, I'll, I'll tell them it doesn't matter if it's night before, if it's right after our position meeting or if it's, an hour before practice, if there's a certain type of concept or few concepts that you want to work, text it to me and I will put it in for your reps. And so, um, and, and I just think that's the beauty of not having, you know, the running shoot where you have, you know, 10 personnel and you got limited formations um, and, and we don't have a, a lot of plays. We have a, quite a bit, but we don't have a ton of plays. So our quarterbacks are able to go ahead and tell you, hey, this is what I like to work and we can plug it in and it doesn't really you know, set us back at all. Absolutely. Coach, moving, moving things along through the process then, um, you know, you make your decisions and you start putting together uh, a call sheet, right? And um, I'm, I'm always mm-hmm. interested in uh, what call sheets look like, but also then how you prioritize calls. Like what, what's going to be that first call in a certain section of, of the game plan down to, you know, whatever might be, let's say your sixth or your eighth or whatever the, the last one is for you. How do you guys go about prioritizing those? Yeah. The first few plays will always have, you know, um, it, it's really based on the opponent that you're playing. You know, there's some games that will go in that will say, Hey, we want to have various formations uh, to see how they line up to it. Um, you know, there's some times where we think that possibly that there's a shot opportunity in the first five, so we'll take a shot in that first five. And there's some times where it's like, hey, you know what? Um, let, we just want to go ahead and just play good football in the first five plays. What's our five best plays we've been, you know, feeling comfortable with? So I think a lot of it is opponent-driven. Um, you know, it's not really this is how we do things and we're stuck to this ways. It's it's a feel thing. So, um you know, it, 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 I don't, I'm trying to think back and there's not, there's not something that we say, hey, this is exactly what we're going to do every first five, but it's various. Um, and then what Rollo likes to do is he likes to give it to the players the night before the game. So the players can visualize, you know, what the the play call is going to be and they can visualize, you know, if you're the the receiver, the, the Z receiver here, and, and you got this route concept versus this coverage and you're going to, you know, what does it look like for you to beat that defender? And what does it look like in your mind of catching that football and scoring the touchdown? And what are you going to do after you score the touchdown? So it gives them that visualization. And, and you know, that's a powerful thing, too, is a guy's got to be able to see it before it happens. That's what practice is for. And that's what the power of visual, visualization is for. Big proponent in that. And, and I think, um, especially with the quarterbacks and, and with every player, you know, I think, it doesn't matter what sport it is. It doesn't matter if it's baseball. It doesn't matter if it's basketball, making the game win the shot. It doesn't matter if it's boxing. You know, what does it look like? Shadow boxing, all that stuff. The visualization and understanding of what the plays are going to be, especially in the beginning of the game, making those guys feel comfortable with it um, is, is powerful. So, uh, you know, it does, it's not always the same. It's not always the same philosophy going into the first five, but at least we give those guys a first five before the game is, is or the night before the game. And then, you know, the call sheet, um, one side is base plays, the other side is special situations. And, you know, some things could change here and there. We could, if we got a new play, maybe we take something out, maybe we don't. But um, that is probably the most consistent thing about our game is our, is our call sheets. Uh, just because we don't have a lot of uh, plays and we rep it a ton versus defenses and, and we're a counter-based offense. Um, with, with that, as you're looking at the different situations, uh, do you put any time into thinking about your first in a situation. So as an example, the, the first time you're in a, a third and long, you know, this is the play we feel mm-hmm. best about. Do you guys, do you guys try to organize those before, uh, before the game? 
Yeah, yeah. So those special situations on the third downs, there is a priority on that uh, based on what type of coverage, what type of front, is there going to be pressure, probabilities, and all those things. But, you know, it's like anything else in football, right? After the first time you kind of get to those situations, you get a feel for what's going on, then you may skip, you know, to what's on maybe, you know, third and long, you call this play, and all of a sudden you realize that this is the coverage or this is what's going on defensively. You look down that that priority list or that list of plays and that uh, third down situation, like, you know what, that second one's not going to be good. Let's get to the third or the fourth one. You know what I mean? So um, it's all all based on, you know, that, that scouting report and what do the numbers say, but, you know, as you know, any good coordinator, any good coach, once once the game's going, man, it, you got to be able to adjust, right? <laughs> you see the same thing. Uh, coaches are too good. Defensive coordinators are getting too good, like keeping you on your toes and changing the pictures for you and making the quarterback and the offensive line feel uncomfortable. So the the uh, the ability to adjust is as important as the ability to prepare, I say. So, um, you know, that's kind of how we roll. I've, I've always viewed the game as uh, a series of mini game plans. Just like you said, once things get going, <laughs> things start to change. And I know in the, in the you know, few minutes I have between series, it's always about you know, getting, getting our information together. Uh, you know, for me, when, when I would you know, split that up and really get our offensive line coaches' feelings on both the run game and protection and myself with the passing mm-hmm. game, you know, going through, getting that feedback really quick and then putting together, all right, here's yep. what the next series might look like. And even pulling in some of those situational things. Okay, we hit a third and long in this one. It's going to be this, third and mediums, this. If, if we pop into the red zone on a big play, here's where I'm going next. Um, just thinking about all those things, again, like I said, kind of the mini game plan, all these little mini game plans within a game. What's your approach uh, between series? Yeah, we'll, we'll do the same thing. So, you know, Brian will get on the headset. He'll ask kind of, you know, hey, what do we like in the pass game? You know, he'll talk to our offensive line coach, Mark Weber. Hey, what do we like in the run game? Kind of the same thing, kind of putting together or what, what kind of RPOs do we want to run in this, this series? Uh, you know, Rolla will jump on and we'll kind of talk through some of those things um, to, to see if the next series we can get those play calls out. The other thing that I really like about I guess it has to do with the dynamic of our offensive staff um, and not having egos on, on anything, but just wanting to be successful is that as the game is going and, you know, the series going, like if Rolo sees something or Brian sees something or I see something, we have, uh, you know, we're, we have an open dialogue of, hey, let's get to this. You know, like essentially we have three or four coordinators on the offensive side of the ball. It's like five coordinator, whatever it is, like, Hey, let's get to this, you know, and, and there's very any time where anybody in the headset says, no, 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 I just want to do this. So it's pretty open. And a lot of times those are where the big plays hit, you know what I mean? Because we're all, we're all watching the game from a different perspective, right? Everybody has the responsibilities of where their eyes are, right? So if somebody sees something, a chink in the arm in a series, you know, and there's a suggestion where well, we suggest it. And, and a lot of times those have led to big plays. And that's been really cool of, about our offensive staff. And, and I think it's really a testament to the relationship that we have and the trust that we have in one another. Um, you know, that's pretty cool. Now, I, I got a question for you. So if, you know, I, I've heard some people that at halftime, they'll go ahead and maybe create another first five. Have you ever done that before? Yeah, I- Definitely, um, you know, it, it ranged from going and creating a new first five to looking at, at the success of w- what were the first things, you know, we did when we came out in the game. Uh, how many of those mm-hmm. apply or what tweaks can we make to them? We, we had a lot of success with, with our openers and, you know, putting right. those together. And, and we had a process for that, too. So I'll take a step back on, on the openers. And I got this from Ian Shoemaker at... Uh, who's now the offensive coordinator at Eastern Washington. He was at, he was my predecessor at BW and used to go in, in clinic with him. And on uh, Wednesdays uh, after practice, you know, they had their two, two main working days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday after right. practice, everybody would come in and put, uh, I can't remember how many would do. I think everybody put their top five plays on the board, right? They just went and wrote mm-hmm. their name and wrote those five down. And then we started 
it started a conversation. It wasn't like, okay, we're, I'm going to go through and pick all these. It started a conversation between us. Why'd you put those up right. there? And so that was a useful exercise. And so uh, halftime kind of would work uh, a little bit as, you know, very quickly because you don't have a lot of time for all the discussion. Right. But but uh, a, a mini, um, I guess, planning period like that where, you know, we're getting that input from, from the guys. Everybody had a different thing they're looking at. Um, you know, right. things they would get from their players as well. And, and we would put those together. Uh, we usually went with, with uh, 10 to start at halftime. I think we did cut that in half and go with five because we were just in, in, like I said, kind of just planning that next series. But uh, it would go into a little bit more consideration on these are the things we really want to focus on in the second half. Right. No, that's cool. I've heard of that. I've never really been exposed to anything like that before. Um, you know, obviously you go in there and talk through what was successful for us, you know, and, and what do we want to get back to and, you know, what are we thinking their adjustments are going to be and, and kind of creating another menu or, or maybe kind of cutting down the list of stuff. But um, yeah, I've heard of, of that before, but I've never, never kind of gone through or been a part of a staff that has done that before. So I've always wondered about that. The, the the best part of when you do any openers, whether that's out the door in the second half or at at the beginning of the game, is when you can get done with that list and you all agree, like, let's run that list again. You know, and that's happened before. Where yeah, we... I was going to say, what about, yeah, so you guys have repeated, like, a list before. Yeah, yeah, always. Like, and, repeat the openers. We did. And, and you know, I, I studied heavily Brian Billick and Bill Walsh and how they would, would game plan. I can't tell you how many times I wrote, uh, read Billick's book, but you know, they would talk about their first 10, but, um, we, we really wouldn't go through that first 10 and worry about like, what if we're in, you know, third and long on this play or what if, you know, what if right. we end up in goal line? Cause we, if we hit a situation, we kind of would always look at what's the next play. Okay. I feel good about it. Roll with it. Or yeah, it doesn't fit for this right now. Then we just go into the situational. If we, are successful so you, and get back really on got through that hole right if, if we got back on track like let's say it was a third and long and, and the next play was a run well we're going right. to our third and long we pick up the first down then we're we're back to the next play and that's that's not I anything i invented that's that's how billick and walsh would do it right oh that's cool cool i like that um so I guess moving things forward, you know, we've, we've talked about the game here, the adjustments, uh, halftime, uh, you get done with the game and it's time to evaluate mm-hmm. not only how did our players do, um, but evaluate yourself as a coach. Cause I think you have to be doing that too. You have to be not only looking right. at, all right, what was the execution of our players, but what was my decision making like? And, and that's not always the first thing uh, I think you look at, right? I think, there's that, right. that turnaround that's pretty quick the focus on the players but at some point you're evaluating that game plan before you head into the next week what kind of things do you look at and just evaluating yourself your staff the decisions made etc yeah i think um you know to kind of backtrack a little bit uh throughout the week of game plan and i like to um, in my computer, I, I hold a list of things that happen throughout the week on, and I do it on a daily basis. So like, what did we do, you know, maybe in the skill position or quarterback, you know, and each person in, you know, what did they, what were they doing well in practice that week? You know, what did they struggle with? Why? And how did we try to like help him? You know what I mean? Through practices, like what were we trying to do to help that person be successful? Um, and keep a running tab. And so what I did was at the end of the games or what I do is at the end of the games on Sundays, you know, after watching the film is, okay, looking back at maybe some of the mistakes that were made, were they the same mistakes that happened in the practices? And if there are consistencies, there's fine consistencies in there, then we got to either fix it. Like our job as coach, we got to fix it. Did we not show them the look enough? Did they, did we force that concept? Did we force this type of play on them when really probably wasn't good? I mean, gosh, look at the evidence. Like it shows us that they weren't good at it all week. And why are we going to do it on, on, you know, Saturday night when, when it counts. So uh, I think there's a lot of self-reflection in that time. And then also as we're going through watching the film, we will grade it individually. Then we'll come back together as offensive staff and then, you know, we'll go ahead and, and we'll watch it. 
um, as a staff again, and we'll talk through, you know, some of the things of, of gosh, you know, that's my bad. I, I told him this or, you know, or whatever it is, or try to find out what those decisions were by the quarterback or any other position and how we're going to remedy this, this problem. Um, if it is, you know, habitual or whatever it is. And so, um, you know, and, and then we talk through like in certain situations, maybe, maybe we should have got this call or maybe we should have had this instead. Um, it, you know, and there's that fine line too, right? Uh, you don't want to offend anybody and, and, and we're working towards a common goal, but at the same time too, though, like we got to get this thing right. If not, it's just going to continue on and we're going to have consistent uh, discrepancies throughout the whole season, ultimately losing football games and, and, and we don't want to, we don't want that to happen. We want to get our players in the best position to make play. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of talk and dialogue there too, but, you know, I think uh, that's kind of what the process looks like. And, and then at the end of the, at the end of that meeting, the offensive meeting, then, you know, we'll have a full staff meeting and, you know, Rollo will go through the room and ask each position coach, you know, what, what were some of the things they did good? What were some of the things that did bad? And, and, you know, explain why they were good and explain why they were bad and, and what we're going to do to go forward. And the good thing is Rollo's typically in our meetings offensively. So um, he, he knows what's going on. He understands what's going on. And, and ultimately, it's, it's not like anything that, that he doesn't know, you know, from watching the game. Um, the other thing, too, what I like to do since Rollo played the, the position at a high level and, you know, he's coached quarterbacks all over is throughout the week. I, I like to ask ask them, you know, hey, is there something that you want me to work with these guys more, or, you know, with the quarterbacks? Is there something that you don't like that I'm doing with them or, you know, whatever it may be, because ultimately it's his team and it's his program and, and I want to do right by him. So uh, I'm always putting down the ego and going in to talk to the head coach and just ask him, like, hey, is there something that you want me to change? Or And a lot of times they'll say, no, I think what we're doing is great. I think, you know, the drills that you're doing is great. It's getting them prepared, you know, and there's some things that sometimes they'll say, Hey, you know, I think we, we get, we're neglecting this. Let's get them this, or let's, you know, drill this, or let's get him to do this, or his eyes aren't right on this concept. And so uh, constantly be having a guy like Rolo um, right down the hall from me, that's our head coach that's able to communicate that to me. And, and again, you know, a lot of times the head coach has a lot of other things that's going on in his mind. So as a position coach, um, as a coordinator, whatever it is, going to the head coach and just asking him because sometimes, you know, he's busy. He, he's not going to, he may think of something in the middle of the day and forget by the time he tells you to practice. Right. So I think just always being on the same page and just, just asking him, you know, how, how does he, how does he see things going and, and just making sure that, that you're doing right by the head coach is always a great thing too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that quality control part is, is so important. I agree. You have to handle it tactfully. Um, because you, you are working together, right? It's not about, right. um, you know, you're knocking somebody down. It's just about making sure everybody's on the same page and you're, you're moving forward together. There's something you thought I thought about as you, you know, we're talking a little bit about, you know, looking at those things and this became, um, something that was effective for us. And it, it started with our openers, as I mentioned before, and it kind of expanded mm-hmm. from there. But one thing we would do uh, as we were putting together our openers is is I would pull those from the practice clips through the week, and yes. and we yeah. would we would voice over those first ten as to what we were thinking and a little bit about why we were doing it, and that was shared with with our players. So they would get our, our initially it started just with our openers, right? We would send it out that way, mm-hmm. and we started looking at well, you know, this is. You know, we, we don't necessarily carry a, a ton. Like our third mediums were somewhere in the six to eight range, if I remember right. And right. Third and longs, you know, were less. Our third and shorts were less. So here's here's <laughs> right. the few plays we have on here. Let's go back through the week. And um, we would put the, the playlist together like that so I could go and pick from there those reps. And I can tell you this, too. As I would go through and look at it, it was like a final quality control, like, well, we really right. looked bad at this play this week. I'm not sure <laughs> I feel good about calling it. It might get scrapped, right? Or maybe there was a key thing you needed to review if you were going to carry it. But um, those those short voiceovers, and none of these were more than you know four or five minutes long, so we keep the player's attention. Mm-hmm. But what key coaching points could we share that way? And as I, what made me think about it, though, is it was our, our quality control, right? Because – we're thinking right. something, but you know you have to go back through that course of the week, and if if you didn't have a good week on that play, 
boy, you know, I'm not sure you want to call it. Right, right, absolutely, and I think that's uh, that's a <laughs> that's a great point. You know, I like to spend a lot of time. We don't do too many voiceovers um, with 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 our plays on video um, as much, just because with our offense and the run and shoot, there's like there's so much information that could be right. shared. And sometimes if you forget to say it, then does, does it be, you know, is it taught? And again, there's a lot of different ways to do things, but what, you know, kind of that whole quality control thing, I like to do that on that Friday nights or, or, you know, if we're playing a lot of games out here is on Saturday nights. And even while we were at Hawaii, we had Saturday night games. We, we meet extra on that Saturday morning that one last time. And again, it's asking them, you know, Hey, you're getting this coverage and this is the play you know, where's your eye starting and have them talk through the plays. I mm-hmm. think that's another great exercise for those guys to do because not only, right, it's about what they can, what, what they know. And if they can voice it, then they, then you, you feel confident that they know what they're doing. And the other thing too is the, the other guys, you know, they're going to learn. I think that's where I think we probably struggled a little bit last year was we didn't have as much peer to peer leadership as, as, you know, successful teams typically do. And, I think that's a way to build that peer-to-peer leadership is having your players talk through plays and explain it to the other younger players or other guys, right? And so um, that's a lot of things that we do. I know we're going off subject here, but that's a lot of things that we do here is we have an open dialogue a lot of times. So these guys can talk to one another because when you get to those player-led practices in the summer, right, um, coaches aren't out there. Right. So, so they better be able to coach each other up. And if they can't verbalize and they can't communicate to what we want as coaches for them to be able to do, then you got the the blind leading the blind out there. <laughs> then it's like, gosh, is this player run practice is even worth it, or is it hurting us more? What's the value in it? But um, yeah, getting back to what you said about uh, just those, you know, quality control and and. You're right. You got to look back at practices. You got to look back at Monday. You got to look back at Tuesday. You got to look back at Wednesday. You, you know the cleanup Thursdays, whatever it is you want to call it, final Fridays, and you got to see, man, if if in those critical moments in situational football, that's all football. It's situational football, man. If it's third down or it's red zone, and and gosh, there's a turnover or there is just a bad read or intercept or whatever it is, like, do we really want to put that out there when the when our jobs are on the line, it's critical yeah, moments. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if the players want to win the football games, it's, gosh, the last thing you, you want to hear, right, is come off the field and you hear the distance when your players say, that was a dumb call. That's not cool. You know, it's, that's that's not that's not right. So I, I like that exercise that you talked about, though. Yeah, definitely a, a lot of things you can look at. And, you know, we shared a lot of ideas here, and it's, it's not necessarily practical to be – to do every single thing we talked about um, as we've right. reviewed different ways we do it and different ways other people do it. But I think there's a lot of tools that you can look at and, and really vary throughout the course of the season. You know, I mean, sometimes you need to switch mm-hmm. things up to get things going. But uh, it was a great conversation here. I know you are uh, going to be back on the road. Recruiting is opening up. We got camps going. Uh, for our listeners, mm-hmm. Coach, what areas of the country are you recruiting? Yeah, I'm going to be down um, at the SMU camp, uh, Florida State camp, and I think it's right June 5th is SMU, June 6th is Florida State, June 7th, um, I want to say it's Georgia Georgia Tech and June 8th, Kennesaw State, and then we have our own camp here on June 19th, um, and then I'll be at the UNLV camp, um, I believe it's June 27th. you know, we have another set of coaches that are going out and, and they're going to hit Sac, Sac State uh, and I think the Red Camp. And, you know, say that real loosely because who knows what's going to happen right. and everything's changing every day with COVID protocols and, and mandates and, and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, you can get, go on our Washington State Twitter. Uh, it'll have all the camps, you know, on an edit of what each coach is going to be and what coaches, you know, and what camps are going to be at. So I encourage you guys to go check out, you know, our Washington State football Twitter uh, and, and the more that we can see, you know, and help out and gosh, we can't sign everybody to Washington state. Right. But if, if we can just help, you know, uh, any student athlete get better in any way, um, and help them get to achieve their goals to play division one college football, that's what we're really here for. Cause 
you know, the, the, the logos may change on our polos, but we're here for mm-hmm. the common goal of giving these young student athletes an opportunity to achieve their goals and teach them life lessons throughout. So that's what we're about. I love that coach. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to make coaches better here today and sharing some information. And uh, for those guys out there, one last thing, uh, where they can find you on Twitter. At Coach Stutzman. Coach, as always, great to catch up with you. Um, Best of luck to you as as you and the Cougars get out on the road here this summer and uh, looking for those future guys, and certainly best of luck in the 2021 season. Hey, thanks, Coach, and I appreciate any time I I have uh, to get on here and talk ball with you. And, you know, um, what you're doing for football is is a great thing, and uh, we appreciate you more than you know. Thanks again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please check out all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com. Got some great things coming for you in May and for the last three months or so of this offseason. We'll be back with All In on Offense and our deep dive on defense. And we have some great interviews with coaches as well as some quick casts that we'll throw in there. Check out all we're doing again at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.